0: What we're going to do, and every year we kind of pick a theme For our first Wednesdays, we teach a little message guided towards spiritual growth and prayer. So that way we can begin to develop ourselves. And so the first year we did it, we prayed through the book of Psalms. We learned how to pray the Bible. Last year, we taught 12 sermons, 12 months on the person and the power of the Holy Spirit. And so I was praying and thinking, God, where do you wanna take us this year? What direction do you want us to go? And the theme that the Lord gives us us, as a staff and as a team was to go deeper in our discipleship with him and so we put together a brand new themed first Wednesday series called spiritual disciplines for ordinary people that's where we're going to be going anybody know what a spiritual discipline is It's things like fasting and prayer and silence and solitude. It's different things that we can do to develop our personal relationship with Jesus. And so we're going to be learning these different spiritual disciplines over the course of the year, applying them to our lives so that way we can grow in our relationship with God. Who wants to go deeper with Jesus in 2024? Who wants to grow in their relationship with Jesus in 2024 more so than you ever have been before? And right now at the beginning of the year, guess what? You're motivated. That's why you're here at First Wednesday. You're motivated. Something about a new year presents these new opportunities. You're You're motivated. You might've made a new year's resolution to go deeper with Jesus this year. But let me just tell you, motivation is not enough. That's why discipline is so important. There's a lot of people who are motivated to do great things, but they're not disciplined, and so they give up. That's why, you know, 88% of New Year's resolutions don't make it through the end of the month of January. Because people start off the year motivated, and it's not because they lack motivation. The problem is, is they lack discipline. And a lot of people want to grow in their relationship with Jesus. They're motivated to do it, but they lack the discipline to accomplish it. So that's what we're going to do. We're going to give you 12 different spiritual disciplines with practices each month, and we've created resources and guides that we're going to give you. On the back of your note sheet, there's a giant QR code, so you can't miss it. We created a 21-day prayer and fasting ebook with different resources and tips and guides and a devotional that's all free for you. And we're going as a church to supply you with these resources so that way you can fast and pray and you can join us along on this journey. And so next month, actually we're going to do one on Bible study, how to study the Bible. And then we're going to create a 31 day Bible reading plan. So the whole church will be studying through this one thing together because we want us to grow together in our relationship with Jesus. So we're going deeper in our discipleship and we're going to be learning spiritual disciplines for ordinary people. And here's what the Bible says in in 1 Timothy 4.8. It says, while bodily training is of some value, godliness is of value in every way as it holds promise for the present life and also for the life to come. What Paul is saying here is that in the same way that people care for their bodies, they take care of their bodies, they discipline their bodies and their health and exercise, He's saying that what we do for our physical bodies is good, but we should take that same care and concern and apply it to our spiritual life as well. You know, most uh, this year... A survey came out and it showed that, um, that the top five New Year's resolutions all had to do with health and weight, to eat less, to, to lose weights, and to practice uh, exercising and mental health. The top five all had to do with health. And in addition to that, Americans right now, we spend $150 billion a year on diets We have spent $828 billion a year on health and wellness, and the healthcare industry in America is a $4.5 trillion business. And so what does that say? That says that as Americans, whether good or bad, we put a high emphasis on our physical health. And the Bible says those things are good, but that's not good enough if that's all you do, care for your physical bodies. God wants you to put that same intensity, that same effort in caring for your spiritual growth as, as well. And so let me tell you a little bit upfront about what a spiritual discipline is not so we can understand what a spiritual discipline is. Has anybody ever heard of spiritual disciplines before? Or is that something that might be a little new to you? Okay, let me explain to you a little bit about what a spiritual discipline is not. First thing is this, a spiritual discipline is not spiritual maturity. So we got to understand this, is that there's some people who they'll go around be like, oh, I pray and I fast and, you know, I I give this much money. That does not automatically make them mature. In fact, Jesus rebukes this in Matthew chapter 6 because he says, when you pray, don't pray like the hypocrites. When you pray, don't pray like the religious leaders. When you fast, don't fast like the hypocrites. When you give, don't give to be seen because then you've already received your reward. What is Jesus saying in that? He's saying that spiritual disciplines do not automatically equal spiritual maturity. The second thing is spiritual disciplines are not spiritual gifts. Last year, we did a whole study on spiritual gifts. There is no spiritual gift of fasting. It's fasting man, right? There, there's, there's, no spiritual dis, there's no spiritual gift of silence and solitude. All the introverts in the room, oh man, dang it. I thought being alone was my gift. No, spiritual, it's not a spiritual gift. And here's why it's important, because, because there's people who are like, well, I'm just not good at it. Well, you know why? Because you're not gifted at fasting. You're like, well, I'm not good at praying. No, because there's not gifted in praying. It's not a supernatural endowment that is given to you. It is not a gift, but rather it is a tool for spiritual growth. See, growth doesn't happen automatically, it happens with intensity. Growth doesn't just happen overnight. It happens over time. And in order for you to experience that spiritual growth in your life, it's not gonna take you wishing for it. It's gonna require you working for it because it's not just the motivation, it's the discipline that accomplish it. So let me show, I got some things right here. Um, so these are some little workout things that I have because Paul says physical training is good for the body, but spiritual training and godliness is good for everything. This is my favorite little kettlebell. Look at this, I got this for Christmas last year. I keep this in my office with me and whenever I'm bored or whenever I don't know what to work on, I just sit there and kind of do this. Why? Because I'm wanting to train my body. Uh, here, here's some other ones here. Uh, this kettlebell, these are amazing for working out. Like you can get, come and do this, right? And do that one. Oh, that's a good one right there. Anybody anybody use kettlebells at home? Anybody? Okay, we got one person. All right, two people. There we go. <laughs> the rest of y'all just pay for a gym membership and never go, right? <laughs> there we go. <laughs> right? And then you can even do this one. Like you, There's tons of different like, little workouts you can do. You can go do the around right there. This really works the core. Uh, how about this one? I don't even know what this is. Uh, it's just water, but it says electrolytes, which is, makes it really healthy. Um, uh, I got these turned on. My man right here, Chris, in the front row works at a nutrition place. He turned me on to this. Uh, just, uh, just health vitamins for men because I'm getting a little bit older. And then you can supplement with, with creatine. And that really just helps the muscles grow and to develop. Each one of these are tools that we know for our own physical development, right? So if you wanna work out, if you wanna be healthy, if you wanna get the gains, if you wanna have the quads of the gods and you wanna turn that cooler into a six pack, right? What do you gotta do, right? You have to discipline yourself. You have to use the tools that are available to you so that way you can begin to grow and accomplish the goals that you have. And in the same way that each one of these represents some different exercise or some different Um, supplement that helps my body, that God has also given us certain ways through spiritual disciplines to help us grow our our souls. And so each one of these weeks, we're going to be looking at a different discipline, creating a practice, and then we're going to be giving you the resources. And then as a church, over the course of this year, we're all going to be growing in the same direction together. And so the first discipline, are you guys excited for this? You guys excited? All right. I was gonna bring Ashley's little booty band resistant things for the, the glutes, but we just moved and it was all packed up and I'm sure y'all didn't wanna see me use that, all right? so. All right, so here's what we are gonna look at today. We're gonna answer some questions around the subject of of fasting. Our our first discipline we're gonna learn is fasting because uh, this week we're gonna be kicking off as a church our annual 21 days of prayer and fasting. It's a discipline that we engage in every single year since before the church planted. We take the month of January and we call for a corporate fast and we pray and we believe God for big things and breakthroughs and answered prayer in the year to come. And so we're going to be talking about fasting. And this discipline is probably one of the least loved and the least practiced of any of the spiritual disciplines today. Whenever I say, hey, we're going to fast food, people automatically think I'm talking about McDonald's, right? They're like, fast food? I love fast food. No, we're going to fast Food, which means we're going to give it up for a time so that way we can grow and get closer to God during the process. And there's a lot of people who they don't understand fasting. They don't know why we fast. I mean, is it like a hunger strike, like begging God to do something like it just seems so weird. Why would God have us fast? And there's even some people who they don't even think fasting is biblical To begin with, they're like, well, don't other religions fast? Well, other religions pray too, but that doesn't mean it's not biblical, right? I mean, other religions have books that they read, but we have the Bible, but that doesn't mean, oh, well, they have their own holy book, so we're never gonna read ours, right? No, because whatever God creates, Satan counterfeits. And so other religions have fasting, but they don't do it in the way or the reasons in which Christians fast as well. In fact, just a little tidbit of information, the first time in the historical record ever that a fast was mentioned is in the book of Exodus when Moses fasted before he got the law that predates any other religion it started with christianity uh, and Judaism all the way back in the book of Exodus. And so the question is, is fasting biblical? Some of you might wonder that. Here's what Jesus says in Matthew 6, 16. He says, when you fast, do not look gloomy like the hypocrites, for they disfigure their faces that their fasting may not be, see, may be seen by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their rewards. Jesus says, he says, when you fast, don't do it like the hypocrites because they make their face all disfigured and they're drawing attention to themselves. He Don't do it like that. Some people read that and they're like, see, Jesus says don't fast because it's hypocrites that fast because they make themselves look all disfigured and gloomy and they're just trying to gather attention. But I want you to look at the language again. Jesus doesn't say don't fast. Here's what Jesus says when you fast. It's not a matter of if you fast or should you fast, but rather it's a matter of when you fast. And here's the reason why because fasting is the expectation, it is not the exception. The Bible expects you to fast. Jesus assumes that fasting is going to be a regular, practice of your walk and relationship with him. It is to be expected of believers to fast, and we don't fast because we have to. There's not a law that says if you don't fast, then you're not going to go to heaven. No, because God's grace is available for all of us, but there is a principle behind it that when you fast, you're going to experience the freshness, the goodness, and a newness of your relationship, God, that you have not yet experienced before. Jesus expects believers to to fast it's the expectation and it's not the exception and here's what's fascinating about the subject of fasting because I did a survey in our church and about 80% of people in our church do not fast regularly and that's okay I struggle with it too some, many of you, this will be the first time that you've ever fasted before. And it seems something that is so strange in the uh, Western American mindset to forego food for a season in order to grow closer to God. Like, why do I need to do that? Is that something biblical? Well, in, ancient, um, in, in the beginning of Christianity, they would actually fast twice a week. There's a book called the Didache. It's an early Christian writings, back back to the very first century. And according to first century Judaism, they would fast on Mondays and Wednesdays. And every single week, they would fast Mondays and Wednesdays. That was the expectation of being a first century Jewish person. And then Jesus says, don't fast like the hypocrites. And so the Didache, they said, we're not gonna fast like the religious leaders on Mondays and Wednesdays. We're gonna fast on Tuesdays and Fridays. And this was a practice all the way up until John Wesley in the 1700s. For 1700 years, the church fasted twice a week. It was an expectation. It was a part of the everyday Christian experience. It was just as important to the early church as prayer was as well. That's why whenever Jesus in the Beatitudes taught on spiritual disciplines, he only mentions three Here's what he mentions. They ask him, How do we grow? What's the most important things? He said, Here's three spiritual disciplines. He said, He said, Prayer, fasting, and generosity. Those are the three. Jesus taught only on three spiritual disciplines. He modeled dozens of them, but he only taught on three of them. And fasting was one of the ones. Why? Because it was an expectation that as believers, we would practice the spiritual discipline of of fasting. And for me in my life, I have fasted for seasons. I've stepped into opportunities around fasting before any big decision. I try to get alone with God and take a moment to fast. Before me and Ashley moved to Houston, where we planted our very first church, it was a season of prayer and fasting. We, we fasted and we prayed, God, is this really where you want us to go? And then we had the divine direction to take that step of faith and move to Houston and plant our first church. Another opportunity for us as a church whenever we fasted was buying this building. So we were uh, meeting here and we didn't have anywhere to go and we were praying, God, give us opportunity to to buy a property and to, to, to grow our church. And so I called around every single place looking for something that would seat about 600 people and would be the future home for us. And we prayed and we prayed and we couldn't find anything. And then I called our, current, our landlord at the time, and I said, hey, we need a property that seats about 500, 600 people. And he said, I'll sell you the entire property. I said, no, you don't know understand, it's not big enough. He said, well, I'm gonna sell you the other properties that are attached to it, the whole plot. And I said, okay, well, can we take a look at it? And it's 21,000 square foot. It's the perfect size for the future of our church. The only problem was, is he said, I need $100,000 by the end of the month. And we only had about 20,000. Or thirty thousand in the bank. And so I said, Okay, church, here's what we're gonna do. We're gonna call for a corporate fast. And so we spent three days as a church. I didn't prime anybody. I just stood up here and said, hey, we have the opportunity. We need $100,000 by the end of the month. And we're going to call for a fast and we're going to pray and we're going to believe that God's going to provide. And so the church fasted for three days. And by the end of that month, less than three weeks later, we had over $100,000 that was coming in from outside sources and from independent giving. That's the power of what God can do when it comes to a fast. And so I'm encouraging you as a church, take this time and press into what God has for you. Number two, what is fasting? Fasting literally is the ceasing of food and then it's feasting on God because what you feed grows and what you starve dies. Whenever you fast, you're feasting on God. You wanna grow, feed your relationship with God and then starve the things of this world, starve the desires of the flesh, starve the appetites of your carnal nature, starve the things that are hindering and pulling you away from listening and being fully obedient and reliant on God because what you feed grows, what you starve dies and fasting is ceasing from food so that way you can feast on God. Here's what Jesus says, Whenever Jesus was being tempted during his 40 days of fasting and the the devil comes to him and he says, turn this stone into bread. What does Jesus say? Man does not live by bread alone, but on the very word that comes from the mouth of God. It is taking a season and saying, God, I'm gonna feast on you. And here's what the Bible says during that temptation of Jesus, 40 days of fasting. And at the end of it, it says, Jesus was hungry. Duh, right? Right? but you know what it doesn't say? It doesn't say he was weak because he was drawing his strength to overcome the temptation from the Lord during that season of fasting. And so fasting doesn't make you weak. It makes you strong because you're, you're drawing your source and your nutrients and your life force through God himself. In our body, there's, when you go through that fast in season, there's, there's three different energy sources that your body burns. See, the first one, because what we eat is called calories. We, we burn calories, right? Or at least we hope we do. And if not, we just keep growing in a direction we don't want to grow, right? And so... So when you eat food, you, you, you burn calories, but whenever you begin to restrict food, then your body goes into another energy-burning source called ketones, and these ketones, they're like a, a clean energy, and your body begins to burn those as your energy source. But once you kind of start going through the ketosis, there's another form of energy, and it's, I've got it written down right here, I'll make sure I can say it, it's autophagy. And this is when your body begins to burn the dead cells inside of you, and it begins to cleanse the unhealthy things that are inside of you as well. And it's autophagy. They're called zombie cells. They're just random cells that are in your body that you're not burning, not getting rid of because you keep feeding yourself and you're using calories, not ketones, not autophagy. And once you go through that, it cleanses your body, and it rehydrates your skin, and there's a lot of good health effects that go through that. And so what happens in our physical bodies, you have to go through these different energy sources in order for you to become a healthy version of yourself. Well, fasting unlocks a spiritual energy source that is inside of you as well. And you have to go through this process to tap into that inner spiritual journey that God is wanting to release inside of you. And it only comes when you cease from food and feast on God. Number three, why do Christians fast? That's a great question. Why do Christians fast? I mean, can I just pray? Like Jesus died on the cross for me. Like, isn't that enough? Like I go to church once a month. Like, shouldn't that be enough? Like I I have God first in my bio on my Instagram. Like, isn't that enough for me? Don't I have God's love? Yes, you have God's love, but you probably don't have God's favor. Do you know there's a difference? God's love is for everybody, but God's favor is only on some. Those who seek and hunger after him experience the favor of God. God loves everybody, but God's finger and God's favor is only on those who humble themselves, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all those things shall be added unto you. Why do Christians fast? We fast because it it, it opens up God's favor upon us in our lives. And I know what many people are thinking. You're already thinking right now, you're like, yeah, I'm excited to fast because maybe I can lose some weight, right? You're like, I, I need to get off this like holiday 15 pounds that I've been carrying around for three years. I mean, You're like, you're already trying to think of different reasons and what types of fast you should do. You probably already Googled like how much you would lose if you didn't eat for 21 days. And you're like, like, I'm going to look good. Listen, Jesus didn't go into the wilderness, so he could get a six pack, right? That's not why Jesus spent time of fasting. Now, listen, that's a diet. Fasting is not a diet. Okay, listen, a diet changes the way you look, but fasting will change the way you see A a diet will change your physical appearance, but fasting will change the spiritual reality and the way that you see God move and the way that you see the world. A diet changes the way you look, but fasting, it will change the way you see and the things you see God do in your life. So let me briefly, I put some uh, Bible study tips for you in here so you can go read, but I'll I'll share with you nine reasons why Christians fast. The, The first thing is to prepare for new opportunities. So there's three people, Moses. Um, and uh, and Jesus, and we also see that uh, Paul, before his missionary journeys, they all spent an extended season of fasting before they entered into these new opportunities. Right now, it's a new year, and there's some new opportunities that are on the horizon for you. Maybe you're wanting to buy a house. Maybe you're wanting to propose to your girlfriend. Maybe you're thinking about getting a new job and getting them and moving. Listen, don't step foot into those new opportunities until you have taken the time to fast and to pray and to get God's divine direction on your life because when you step into those new opportunities you will do so with his strength with his direction and with his guidance as well listen if Jesus needed to fast before he entered into ministry if Moses needed to fast before he entered into his calling if Paul needed to fast so that way he could get God's direction on his life how much more do you need to fast before you make big decisions in your life The second reason is to seek God's wisdom. There's a story we're going to cover in a few weeks in the book of Acts that the elders of the church laid hands on Paul and Barnabas and they commissioned them out to be the very first missionaries in the early church. But the elders only selected Paul and Barnabas after a time of fasting. They knew that the church was growing beyond the walls of Jerusalem and they needed to send somebody, but they didn't know who. And so they fasted and prayed. And at the end of that fast, God highlighted Paul and Barnabas. And we know the rest of the story. The only reason we're here today is because Paul and Barnabas became missionaries to the Gentiles. And the only reason why you're here today is you, your salvation is an answer to a prayer of fasting 2,000 years ago. That's the importance of it. Another reason is to express grief. There's a story in 2 Samuel whenever David's son died, and it says that he fasted. Listen, we understand this. Whenever we have a major traumatic experience, grief, the loss of a loved one, you lose your appetite. That's that's a physical reality of a spiritual reality as well. And we see, biblically speaking, that when people are grieving, they enter into a season of fasting. And so me, for most of us here, whenever we're grieving, what do we like to do? We like to distract ourselves with food or alcohol or different gluttony or different vices or experiences, or we try to escape it. That's not good for your soul. And so biblically, what happens throughout all of the scriptures as when people are grieving after the loss of a loved one, after the death, after bad news, they would actually enter into a season of fasting so that way God can begin to minister to them as they begin to seek after him. Uh, another reason, and Americans are terrible at grieving, that's, that's probably another reason why we need to develop this discipline of fasting. To engage in spiritual warfare. There's a story in the book of Daniel where he's praying and he's praying and he's praying and he prays and there is never an answer. And he's fasting and at the end of his 21 day fast, what we see open into the supernatural is an angel comes to him and says, I was trying to get here earlier but I was battling the prince of Persia but God heard your prayers and it defeated the demonic attacks that were happening in the principalities and the air and because of the fasting, at the end of the 21 days, there was a spiritual breakthrough that happened and God began to answer those prayers because there is an unseen realm all around us. There is angels and there is demons and there is a battle that is going on and when you fast, it is an open opportunity for you to do spiritual warfare from the natural in your body to the supernatural in the world that's happening around you. And so if you're battling through spiritual warfare, don't try to do it on your own. The Bible says the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. So that means that they're supernatural. And fasting is a way to engage in spiritual warfare. Number five is to show repentance. There's a story in the book of Jonah where God sends Jonah to, 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 to prophesy destruction over the nation of Nineveh. And the king of Nineveh, he repents and he calls the entire nation to a fast and they tear their clothes, they dress in sackcloth and they repent and then God spares their nation. It's an act of repentance. All throughout the scriptures, when people would repent, they would go into a season of fasting. And some of you, the reason why you keep repeating the same sins over and over again is because they've not been broken. And so you need to enter into a season of repentance. And that can sometimes mean a season of fasting, So if you're struggling with alcoholism or some drug addiction, you're not able to break free from pornography and you're wanting God to deliver you from this and you've prayed and you've asked him to forgive you and you keep going back to that, whether it's adultery, whatever it may be. And you're like, God, how can I break this sin that is entangling me? You do what the Bible says. Maybe this 21 days, you're not praying for breakthrough. You're on your knees in sackcloth and fasting, praying, God, break me. Another reason we fast is to receive healing. Hezekiah, he's a, a king in the Old Testament, and he is, received a death sentence. Basically, he, he has what today many people believe would be bubonic plague. It swept all across all the different armies, and he had a death sentence, and he was on his deathbed, and he was gonna die. And while he was on his deathbed, he fasted, and he prayed, and God heard those prayers and miraculously healed him. Some of us were praying for answer to prayers. We're praying for healings. We're praying for God to move in our bodies. And it, you can accompany that with fasting as well as you fast. There's an opportunity for healing to happen within your body. Number eight is to humble yourself before God. Another story in the book of Second Chronicles is a wicked king named Ahab. And Ahab was facing certain death. God's judgment had come upon them because of his pride, because of his arrogance, and because he was attacking God's God's people. And then a prophet came, Elijah prophesied destruction against him because of his pride. And Ahab was convicted and cut to the heart. He entered into a season of fasting to humble his soul. And as he humbled his soul, God lifted the judgment off of him. See, the reason why we fast, one reason is to humble our souls, to humble ourselves. Because so many of us, we think we can do it on our own. We don't need help. We can work hard. We can try hard. We're good people. And we're the salt of the earth. And we, we, we don't ask God for prayers. We don't ask God for his direction. We just make decisions and move forward. And if something goes wrong, that's when we pray. Because your soul is puffed up and proud. And you're not asking direction and guidance from the Lord. And so fasting is an opportunity for you to humble yourself before God. Listen, the reality is, is if you don't humble yourself, God will humble you. And fasting is a season for you to say, God, humble me. I've tried so hard to do everything on my own. I've tried so hard to accomplish everything by my strength and my efforts. And so, God, I am going to trust in your strength and your efforts and your peace and your power and then lastly is to worship God and I know this is so difficult for many people to, to understand because you're like how does not eating worship God how, how does that how is that worship and I'll, I'll tell you why Romans 12 one says present your bodies as a living sacrifices for this is your spiritual act of worship in the west we have what is a platonic dualism what does that mean Well, Greek philosophy through the Enlightenment period in the 1800s has basically robbed y'all of true biblical Christianity. What do I mean by that? What I mean is many of you think that your body has nothing to do with your soul. And that's biblically not true. That's biblically, you are an integrated human being, mind, body, and soul. And what you do with your body does have weight with your soul. That's why the Bible says when you have sexual sin, you're sinning against yourself because it's the only sin that is against your body. People love to say all the time, all sins are equal. No, they're not. Biblically speaking, they're not. We see that Jesus says, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, your strength. It's your body. Paul says, present your body as a living sacrifice. Listen, your body, not your, not your heart. The Bible doesn't say your heart is the temple of the Holy Spirit. The Bible doesn't say your soul is the temple of the Holy Spirit. What's the temple of the Holy Spirit? Your body. And many people, especially in our society, they say, what I do with my body doesn't matter. It does. Your body matters. Present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable, for this is your pleasing act of worship. When you fast, what you're doing is you're bringing your body in submission to your soul. It's an act of worship. Instead of being led by your passions, led by your desires, instead of being led by your body, you're saying, no, I am sacrificing my body in the same way Jesus sacrificed his, so that way I can now experience his goodness in a whole new way. And here's why this is so important because when you begin to pour, just like in worship, when you pour yourself out, God, he fills you back up. When you are empty, God fills you. When you are hungry, God begins to satisfy your needs. Just like David, the psalmist, right? Like a deer panting for water, so my soul longs for you. And during this fast, what you're gonna be doing is you're pouring yourself out, you're emptying yourself. And as you give yourself fully and totally to God, God's gonna give back to you. And as you pour yourself out, God will fill you back up as well. Which leads to the last question, how do I fast? Because I know you're so excited right now, right? Y'all are so ready, aren't you? I can tell, I can tell y'all being quiet after the first point. <laughs> it's going to be new for some of you, but listen, I want to explain this to you. Fasting is not about restricting, it's about replacing. It's not about restricting, it's about, it's about <laughs> replacing. It's about replacing a hunger for food with a hunger for God. It's not about restricting or saying no to things you like, but it's about saying yes to things or to the one that you love the most. It's about giving up something now so that way you can get what you want the most, a deeper relationship with God. It's not about restricting, it's about replacing. And so you're gonna replace time that you would spend eating or thinking or worrying about food, and you're gonna replace that with prayer. I mean, how often during the day do you think about eating? And how often do you think about God? You eat three times a day, four times a day, five times a day, how many times a day do you spend in prayer? How many times a day do you read your Bible? How many times a day? Like, you see what I'm saying? Is our brain thinks about food often and fasting is an alarm clock for your soul telling you every time you think about food to replace that thought with God. That's good. And so what we do is we fast food so that way we can feast on the Lord. Yeah. It's not about restricting or saying no. It's about replacing and saying yes to a deeper relationship with God. So let me give you a couple of examples of fasting and we're gonna open the altars. I'm gonna give you a reason to pray in just a moment. Um, let me give you a couple ways you can fast. First is a full fast. If you've never fasted, I do not recommend this for you. Okay, so a full fast is liquid only, and this could be water, this could be juices, protein supplements, etc. No alcohol. I know some of you are like, I'll take a liquid lunch. No alcohol for 21 days. That's a full fast. And if you've never fasted before, I do not recommend I Make a little joke, you might try to bite off more than you could chew with that fast. I do not recommend it. Other people, this is what I would highly recommend is what's called a Daniel fast. Um, and it's based out of the book of Daniel where he says for 21 days he ate no choice foods. Here's the theology behind it. Um, the, the Hebrews were taken into Babylon captivity in the way that Babylon would overthrow a nation as they would try to sup. They would try to subvert their culture. And most people wanted to be overtaken by Babylon. They were like, yes, Babylon's here. Give us all your food, make us rich, and give us all of your culture. Well, the Hebrews were very steeped in their culture because of the heritage they have. And so they did not want to give in to the Babylonian culture. And so Daniel said, I will only eat vegetables and drink water for 21 days while the rest of your people can have all their choice, luxury, and desirable foods. And at the end of it, you can test me to see who's stronger. And at the end of the 21 days, after Daniel only ate no meats no veg- and only vegetables, he was healthier and stronger than any of the other people because God was his source, his strength, and sustained him. And so a Daniel fast would be no meats, no sweets, and no fun for 21 days. It says he ate no desirable foods. And so I, I, I highly recommend doing that, you know. Uh, another would be a partial fast. This is how the first century Christians fasted. So if you go back and you read the Didache or early first century Christian uh, writings, they would fast twice a week and they would do a sun up to sundown fast. And this is, the, this is how the church fasted all throughout history is they would eat one meal a day and dinner time. That was it. So during an extended fast, they would eat dinner and then they would fast throughout the day from sunup to sundown. This is how me and Ashley are gonna fast during this period. We're gonna do sun up to sundown for 21 days. We're only gonna eat one meal a day. And we're gonna replace those other times with prayer and with other disciplines, reading our Bibles, spending time with the Lord. Fourth is a three-day fast. Uh, These are found throughout the scriptures where people will fast for three days. And so they'll do a partial fast, a Daniel fast or a liquid fast for three days. And then they would continue to eat regularly for the rest of the week and they'd pick it up for another three days and another three days. You could do that. And then here's one that I highly recommend. I tell a lot of people in our church is to do a, a what, what I have here is called midday fast. I call it a miss a meal. I'll tell you a story behind this. Um, whenever we were planting and living in Houston, we were really yoked up with a great organization. We got some right over here at Chi Alpha. Um, their college campus ministry. Can we give it up for our missionaries here, right there? Give some Chi Alpha. I, I was first introduced to the spiritual, really the, the, the teaching of the spiritual disciplines through the Chi Alpha ministries that we were friends with in, in Houston. And they did, a, they did a thing called Miss a Meal. And they challenged us and the rest of the church to skip one meal per week and fast for a missionary. And so that's when I really began fasting and God put a deep heart, a deep love and desire for missions in my life because I would just skip one meal a day and pray for a missionary in our church. How hard is that? Is it tough for you to say, you know what? On Wednesdays, I'm gonna miss a meal. I'm gonna give up one meal a day and I'm just gonna take, sit in my car and I'm just gonna fast. I'm gonna, skip, I'm gonna take my lunch break at work and I'm gonna go sit in my car And instead of spending an hour trying to run to a restaurant, grab something, eat it in the car, shove it down my face, and then run back to work, you know, I'm just gonna take my break and I'm just gonna open my Bible and I'm gonna pray for my church. I'm gonna pray for my kids. I'm gonna miss a meal. See, sometimes we make fasting way more difficult than it needs to be. Because when I say 21 days, y'all are like, how do I not eat for 21 days? but it's because we don't understand the principles that actually happen behind it. And so I'm challenging you, this could be a, a, a game changer for you this year to kick off your year with a hunger for God, with a desperation for the Lord, with, a, with, 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 with feasting on his presence. It could be the, the one thing that changes everything for you in 2024 to start year, year off desperate for God, seeking God's hand, seeking him to move, emptying yourself to be filled up with him. And I'm believing that the prayers you prayed in this 21 days will be testimonies you tell by the end of this year. I'm believing that your prayers for your husband, he'll be sitting next to you. I'm praying your prodigal sons and daughters will be baptized in this church. God, I'm praying for answers and healings. I'm praying for testimonies and financial breakthroughs. You don't know what God can do when you simply pray. And so here's what, here's what I want to close with. Just want to remind you this. When we do the natural, God does the supernatural. When we do what we do, God does what only He can do. When we humble ourselves, He draws near to us. When we empty ourselves, He fills us back up. When we are obedient, He blesses us. And when we do what we do, we trust and believe that God can do what only God does. When we do the natural, God steps in and he does the supernatural. So everybody, if you could stand right now, I'm gonna call the, 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 the prayer team to the front right now. Everybody stand up right now. I was praying today and I believe that in this room, every person, you have a prayer that you have been afraid to pray. There's something inside of you that you're praying. You're like, God, if you could do this. But I'm scared to pray it because what if it doesn't happen? I just want to challenge you. What if it does? You Say, what if it doesn't happen? What if it does? What is the one prayer you want to see God answer by the end of this year? Maybe it's the salvation of a spouse. Maybe it's a physical ailment you've been carrying in your body for years. Maybe it's financial. You're you're sick and tired of being broke and tired. Maybe it's a new job. Maybe you're praying for, for a move but you haven't sought God for that direction right now. So we starting 21 days this week, but I wanna start praying right now. And so I want you, if you have a prayer that's on your heart, that you've been too afraid to pray, tonight's your night, to express that prayer. What are you fasting for? Where do you wanna see, what do you wanna see God do at the end of this year? The altars are open. Step forward and don't wait until Sunday to start praying. Come forward and pray right now.